Welcome to Hour of Devastation, the weekly Magic the Govern podcast where we talk all things Magic the Govern. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neill. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? Fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. No technical issues there on your end? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I'm doing okay. Good. Um, the world is still a scary place, so I'm going to stay in my house. Yeah. Is, is how I feel about things currently. I know that one very well. Yeah, um, but I'm, I'm I'm doing okay because you know I'm fortunate to be able to just stay in my house outside of going to work and have a reasonably comfortable time, um, and I'm very grateful for that fact. But yeah, I've just been painting Warhammer nice. for like two weeks solid. <laughs> yeah, so you've still been on that, that hobby streak. Yeah, I'm trying to do uh, at least thirty minutes of hobbying, whether that's like building or painting. Uh, every day, and I'm currently on day 17. Oh, nice. That's cool. I'm just trying to get into the habit of things, right? Like, yeah. every day I've got to find a little bit of a niche, even when, like, I'll be out of the house for 12 hours. Wake up a little bit early and do some do some hobbying. It's 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 good, man, because it, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's vaguely productive, even if it's just, you know, painting little plastic space aliens. Um, and it's just, it's a, it's a consistent sort of pattern at this point. Yeah. Get into a routine. It's been nice. Just doing something vaguely, vaguely constructive for uh, up to six hours in a day. But that is what I spent most of my time doing because I don't want to go outside anymore. Yeah, don't blame me. Don't blame you. The <laughs> situation is still, still the same here. Um, the, I was reading apparently one in seventy people in the northeast have got COVID currently, so <laughs> it's uh, not great. I'll be staying in my house for the foreseeable, I think, until I don't know. I don't know, one day, one day it'll end. Until then, I'll be fine. One in 70 people currently have it? In the northeast, yeah. Jesus That's Christ. That's the infection rate we're at currently, yeah. That's incredible. At least, like, according <laughs> to some statistics I read earlier, like, I mean, you take every statistic with a pinch of salt, but... Of course, of course. It's, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the state we're in here. Well, well I, I, I uh, found out the other day that roughly 8.2% of the population of the UK has had COVID at some point. It's the role in the North East, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just all of them this week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, like, it's kind of weird because we've, we've stopped doing events and stuff at the store. Yeah. Uh, things are scary. <laughs> it's like we had Freedom Day, which is the most British thing you could possibly call a day <laughs> where you don't have to wear a mask anymore. Um, and we were like, no, we're not doing anything anymore. Sorry. <laughs> it's because, like, it's not worth it for us. Yeah. Like we don't, we're very, very fortunate in that we don't have to have people playing in store constantly to turn a profit, and we can choose to just close our doors and operate entirely online. If yeah, minimise your risk from the uh, the pandemic as well. That's currently happening. Well, exactly. That's that's one of the main things. Is like if any of us get ill or have to isolate, we're just screwed as a business. Yeah. Um, so we need to keep both staff and customers safe, and we'd rather just close when we could have been open than risk anyone's health. Or the business entirely, so yeah, it seems uh, sensible. Other, yeah, other places are still carrying on, which I mean, it's 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 weird, right? Because like I'm kind of getting annoyed with people for like doing things that I personally think are, are reckless or, or not sensible. And like, it's perfectly allowed. It, it's allowed. Like, we've been following the government guidelines this entire time, and what they're doing is perfectly legal, perfectly allowed, and sort of expected at this point. Yeah. But I'm just sort of here being like, don't do that. That's you can't do that. That's not right. But it is. It's fine. You can do whatever you want now, so... 
it's just a strange place to be where, like I keep having to be talked off a ledge where I'm like, you, they're like you just can't get angry at people because they're doing what they're allowed to do yeah and why would you get angry at someone doing what they're allowed to do it's that line between you know government guidelines and personal responsibility and yeah, yeah for sure. I mean I could I could I could talk for hours about this that but let's uh let's talk magic how's how's your week for magic been um I mean, I haven't played any, because... Uh... <laughs> oh, no, that's not true. That's not mm-hmm. true. Uh, when I said I didn't want to leave the house, it's le- unless it was, like, to play Magic, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we, we went around to a friend's house, and there's four of us. We played some Commander and some Legacy. Because that's loud. Nice. So, and, you know, I, I wanted to get out of the house for a little bit. Um, yeah, played some Legacy. Played some Commander. It was nice. Sweet. Uh, hanging out with other people is really good. Did you know that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't really remember what it's like anymore. But yeah. <laughs> that was that was the thing. Like, I was like, oh, I can live without people. That's fine. I can only just speak to people over the internet, and that's totally fine. And then I like hung out with people for like five hours. And I was like, oh, shit, this is what it's like. This is nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> this is a good thing, actually. Um, but yeah, just a bit of like I was just I toyed with Maverick a bit and put Stoneforge Mystic back in it. Because everyone seems to be playing Stoneboard Mystic and Maverick again, despite the fact that I think it's kind of bad. Yeah. Um, and it was fine. Uh, Shadow Spear is really good. Yeah, it's a great card. Especially when you put it on like a 17 17 Nether Mm, Nice. Tends to, t- tends to end the game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it for, for Magic for me, apart from like selling all of my cards again yeah. because I'm bored. <laughs> you know how I do. Oh, yeah. I know, I know that one very well. <laughs> oh, uh, how's your week been for Magic? Yeah, it's been fine. Uh, I hit Mythic on Arena somehow. Like, <laughs> oh, nice. In yeah. Constructed? In Constructed, yeah, in Historic, Sick. which we'll get on to. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I assume it's because all of the all of the good players are wanting to play something a bit different, so they're playing the uh, standard 2022 Constructed queues. Sure. So uh, I've just been playing that uh, that Paradox Engine... Um, Khan Emery combo thing, Flux Reservoir. Of course you are. Yeah, of it's, course you are. It's I I got to Mythic with it like last year at one point, and then it's kind of been awful for like the longest time. Uh, but this month, sure. it, I just I don't know. I don't know what's changed other than oh, there's a standard twenty twenty two queue. So maybe maybe the good players are in there. Uh, I don't know what's changed apart from that, but I just got into mythic very very easily like <laughs> maybe you're just realizing your full potential as a very talented magic the gathering player Nah. no okay <laughs> <laughs> I, thought I'd, I thought i'd try and throw you a bone but no mind nah, just 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 lucky i think i don't know i don't know yeah. like the meta seems to be in a, in a reasonable place maybe people have stopped playing like i don't know because like i was gonna say maybe it has something to do with like the banning of brainstorm because that happened last week um yep Actually, no, I take that back. The banning didn't happen. The suspensioning of Brainstorm happened last week. Suspensioning? Suspensioning of Brainstorm happened last week. (laughs) We'll get to the banning, I don't know, six months' time, whenever they decide to ban it and actually give people wild cards. But Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I don't even think it was particularly bad against Brainstorm decks. I'm generally just a bit confused as to why I've managed to get to Mythic, but here we go. I did it. I mean, it gets me nothing, but here we go. Throwing of shit at a wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it gives you it gives you bragging rights, right? I guess so. <laughs> you get got uh, a mythic with an awful deck that isn't very good. That. <laughs> yeah. 
You got to Mythic with Aetherflux Reservoir, which is your dream, I imagine. That yeah, that is true. That is true. That is very true. But you that's cool. It's it's um it's definitely my kind of fun. Um but yeah, besides that I've played a little bit of Legacy, so I've been playing in the Pleasant Kenobi Legacy uh, Discord tournament, oh, cool. which has been fun. Um, I made a horrendous deck choice for that tournament as well, but mm-hmm. it's been fun. Uh, who'd, who'd have thought... You decided to... No, go no, no you go on. You're... We're about to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, who'd, who'd have thought playing Ad Nauseum Tendrils in a uh, in the Pleasant Kenobi Discord tournament would be... Uh, yeah, just come up against like... Thalias and Ether Swan Cannonists and Deafening Silences and all those lovely Death and Taxes effects. Yeah, playing a deck entirely comprised of non-creature spells against people in a tournament run by a man who is Thalia's husband seems like a a choice. <laughs> a choice you've made. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's uh it's a fun one though. It's a fun one. I played I've played against so far I've played against um Standstill twice and then I've played against uh, nice. Infinity Deck, which was was really cool, um, but that was my only only victory. I'm one two currently in standings, and we'll see how the rest of the tournament goes. But it's been fun. Yeah, that uh, tournament I should have played in, but I forgot to submit my deck list. Yeah, you definitely should have played in that. <laughs> it's been really fun just, um, to, just to play Legacy. Like, yeah, I don't know, like for whatever reason, like I don't really know of, of any Legacy playgroups. So people that I used to play Legacy with in person, none of us have really done the webcam magic thing. Like I've played Commando right. with people who I would have played Legacy with before, but for whatever reason, just none of us decided, like, oh, let's just have a game of Legacy. Like, I don't know. So, I mean, like, how big's your Legacy group, I guess? Um, I think locally, we've probably got about 20 players. 20? Yeah. That's wild. That's so big. I mean, that's, like, people who would play in Northeast stores. But, yeah, we've done, like, wow. a 24-person Legacy tournament once. And yeah, all we did, but we had to like off. fly people in from Ireland. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just got we've got a lot of boomers up north, I think. Nice. I mean, we yeah, we have like twelve people who are consistent play legacy. Yeah. And every time I tell that to someone, they're like, "Whoa, you have that many legacy players?" It's just, it's just say that you have twenty. It's wild. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't Amazing. say we you know there'll be that many players attending every legacy tournament, but sure. we could we could announce a legacy tournament and pull that fairly easily, I think. Sick, alright. Well, give it another, another 12 months. <laughs> yeah. We'll <come laughs> 12 months to 12 years, yeah, sure. <sighs> Let's get into it then. Let's get into yep. it. Just enough of, the, enough of the, the amble out of the way. Uh, there was an article that leaked on Friday, right? Uh, yeah, leaks all over the shop. Yeah, Luke, yeah. I mean, without talking about leaks, there's been a significant amount of leaks in the past week, of, week alone that uh, is. A exciting, but also be very very unfortunate. Um, we won't be talking about any of the leaked things, um, obviously until they're announced probably. But they're out there. They're out there. You can find them in the usual places. Yeah, I mean, at least one of them was just someone opening a sealed product. <laughs> oh, I forgot about <laughs> that finding, one. Yeah, <laughs> finding the card themselves. Yeah, which is uh, which I won't go into what it is, but it was in the the Adventures of the Forgotten Realms. Commander deck, the thick card at the back that Commander decks have now, yep. was a commander from the Innistrad Commander decks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but it did. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows how these things happen, but yeah. They're out there. You want to go look them and discuss them amongst your friends in your, your private chats? 
they're in the usual places mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll know where yeah. to do but mm-hmm. would definitely not recommend talking about them or promoting them or sharing them in public that would not be very good for anyone really but what if I want to be a bastard Joe? then you can you can go ahead and do that why not I'm a magic player after all <laughs> sure <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the leaked article on Friday uh, detailed a a product which was was quite surprising because it felt like it just kind of come out of nowhere, and that was a product titled Jumpstart Historic Horizons, and it said it was going to be a magic arena set only, and that it was going to inject thirty one entirely new cards into arena that are going to be completely unique to arena. Uh, they were going to be digital only cards, uh, cards that could not work in paper. Um, uh huh. That was. I yeah. mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised they didn't manage to fit the word mythic into the name of the set. Yeah, <laughs> it's just Jumpstart historic it's just horizons. A, a bunch of words, isn't it? Jumpstart historic horizons. Yeah. It's like that doesn't mean anything to me. I know what all those words mean individually in yeah. terms of Magic the Gathering, but I don't know what they mean in conjunction with each other. Um, but yeah, they're they're doing. Digital. Uh, we're Hearthstone now. We're officially Hearthstone now. Yeah, <laughs> We've made that joke of, yeah. several times, but we actually have cards that are mechanically unique to being played on Arena that do things that you cannot do in Paper Magic. Yeah. And everyone lost their minds. Yeah, everybody's gotten very vocal about this. I think there's, I've seen a lot of different opinions, a lot of different takes on it. Um, I, I don't know. We'll we'll discuss it. I think that there's several things to go over really where where do you want to start I, I guess talk about the I don't know should we talk about like the historic as a format yeah and so how this comes to be yeah I I really like historic as a format so I think I, I I don't enjoy standard currently and have not enjoyed standard since Drone of Eldraine was, was released uh, I think you that's are true not alone. yeah I think that's true for quite a lot of people um but like arenas, arenas are very strange platform. I find it's it's a very good and very easy way to engage in Magic casually. Like I can just I can just pick up my phone, and within a minute I can be in a game of Magic the Cavern, which is cool. But it feels very much like a video game, like a, like a Magic the Cavern video game, than it does like if I'm playing any other type of Magic, where I've got to kind of think right. I'm going to play in a tournament. What deck am I going to play? you've got to get in the sort of competitive card game mindset whereas I feel with Arena it's very much you can very much just take it like it like a video game uh, yeah. I, I like Historic Historic on there as a way to play rotated cards I think is very very different to what Historic has become I think that the client needed something like like the wild format for Hearthstone, like it needs something where you could play with your old cards. I think Historic, when it started, I think for the most part was was very good at that, but it's evolved so much over time. I think the thing for me, and this is coming from someone who has never played a game of Historic and doesn't play Arena and hasn't done for two years, I feel like Historic's identity has just changed so many times and evolved into something completely different to what I think a lot of people thought it it was yeah. when it was first announced. Because the thing with Historic was, oh, it's a place to play all the cards that have rotated out that you can't dust or whatever, right? You can't... Once you have the cards on Arena, you have the cards forever, unless they get banned, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
so what am I going to do with my Ixalan cards or whatever set Historic started with? Um, and that seemed like a cool idea. That seemed like, okay, people can play this format with cards that they've invested things in. Yeah, not even a cool idea, just just a necessary idea. Like, yeah, for sure. a way to sure. to do something with those cards. Yeah, and then they released the Historic Anthologies, is yeah. what they're called. They just put in a bunch of cards that, like, completely change what the format is. Because, I mean, it was it was sort of a vague analogue to Pioneer when it started, right? So, from this point, here are some cards. You can play with all these cards back to this point. And then they were like, oh, here's yeah. Thalia and Night of the Reliquary and Ghost Quarter. They just, like, fully changed the face of the... I just named all of my favourite cards. <laughs> they just fully yeah, why changed don't you play the, this uh, format? <laughs> yeah, because then I have to play Magic on my computer and I don't want to do that. True. And I'd also have to spend so much money, which I'll get to. Yeah, we'll get to um, but it gets to the point where it's just it's just a format that they've tailored. I'm like, okay, this is fine. They wanted a few cards in that they thought maybe would enhance the format, and then the anthologies came every like two months or something, which is what it seemed like. Um, and then historic started to become like a competitive format that the pros would play, which is not a place I thought it would be when it was first announced. Um, and it's gone through several bannings and, and metagame shifts and everything like that and now we get to a point where they're adding cards that only exist in Historic so the thing with Historic before is like all those cards were, were old magic cards right? Yeah. They were all they were all cards that had been printed before and they're just in this format now but you know you can Mindstone is a card that has already existed whereas now they're just going to add unique to Historic cards which is something they hadn't done before. Yeah, I think definitely. I think that's that's kind of fine. Um, and then they can appear in like if they wanted to bring some of the like fun rares and mythics to paper, they could in some kind of um, Modern Horizons style product. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, I guess that vein sort of similar to Jumpstart. So like Jumpstart is legal mm-hmm. on Arena. Jumpstart was released on Arena. So when Muxus was available. You know, in your local game store and booster packs, it was also available on on Magic Arena as well. So they've they've, yeah. they've sort of done that before. But that was tied to a paper release, right? Yeah, totally. And it's it sort of felt it felt at the time like an afterthought that these cards were added to historic, especially given like the ones that were banned. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we saw a similar thing with like Mystical Archives, where they just these things are legal, but not these ones. Yeah. Um, and then. Now we have ones that will literally only work on Arena. Like, you can't do the things that these cards want to do in paper. It's literally impossible. Well, not literally impossible, but it would be unpleasant to do. Um, and so, yeah, it just seems like it's just, it's just its own totally different format at this point than, than what I had, and I think a lot of people had expected it to be when it was first announced. Yeah, very much so. I think rather than it being a sort of digital analogue to Pioneer, which I guess was, was the original design for it, the original idea for it, uh, it's kind of just morphed into its own eternal format, where it receives cards through yeah. through anthologies, through remastered sets, like Kaladesh Remastered, Norman Kett Remastered, um, rather than just having like, right, we're going to have a set cut-off point, so Ixalan, whatever, obviously starting point, or Shadows of Arena Strad, because that's on Arena as well. Let's say that's your starting point, and then everything from then forward you'll get to play. Rather than that sort of you know modern or pioneer style, it, to me it just feels like it's it's Magic's eternal format. That's what it's it's changed into, and I think that's cool. I think it's fine. It's essentially yeah. it's going to be yeah. 
you know, what if eventually it's going to be what if if legacy but no reserveless cards. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think we probably should have seen the writing on the wall when they first did Modern Horizons, and that they're just willing to put cards into formats and just put them in there because they think they'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and why should Arena be exempt to that from that really? Um, I think that mechanically unique cards for Arena is, is another thing. But I mean, them just putting new cards into Historic that aren't yet released on paper, and they can do that thing where like, oh, we'll put it on the list at some point, or we'll put it in this Commander deck, or we'll put it in this Master's product, or, or whatever. Um, so they're finally legal in paper would have been. Yeah, I mean, we we, we even saw that. We saw that uh, with Abundant Harvest. Abundant Harvest being a uh, mystical archive yeah, from yeah. Strixhaven. Like that, the first place that appeared was on Magic Arena. It was the very first place you could play with Abundant Harvest, and then see it came later down the line. I think that's slightly different because they told us explicitly that that was coming to paper. This is true. This like is true. coming to, actu- I mean, it actually existed in physical paper, right? Yeah. Uh, and then they told us it would be legal in the formats that we'd expect it to be legal in soon, and that was just kind of a cool preview. And we got but it was legal. It was legal and historic before all of those, though. So this is this, this, this is true. This is true. Yeah. Uh, I just think there's, there's a lot of things with like uh, historic. I mean, even if I suddenly decided, oh, I want to play historic now because I think these new cards are really fun and. I want to play all this new stuff. Like the monetary investment for this format is absolutely absurd. Yeah. Um, and there's no way I can get into this now. And I guess part of the problem with historic being like uh, historic format, which is an eternal format where it, it, it's basically just standard that doesn't rotate, which is what I thought it was, is that eventually there comes a point where it's too expensive to get into. And then with adding additional products on top of that, okay, you have to, you know budget for historic as a format it's yeah. not just oh i'm going to build these standard cards i'm going to craft these standard cards and i'll get to play them in historic by accident and i can play that format it's now i have to i have to specifically craft brainstorm <laughs> or any of these cards or the cards from the anthologies or anything like that and the the monetary uh input you'd have to make on that is 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 a lot and the thing with standard not that anyone plays it uh, at all anymore uh, is that at least you could draft and get some of those cards. Yeah. Um, whereas with historic, and this one again, like you know, it's, it's a jumpstart product, so technically you can draft it. Um, is you could never draft like a Thalia or a Ghost Quarter. You had to specifically buy them. Yeah. And yeah. So there's the thing. the historic anthologies. You had to purchase those. With Kaladesh remastered and Armageddon remastered, you would draft, and that would be a way you would get those cards from those mm-hmm. sets. Uh, but the anthologies, obviously those smaller sets, uh, you did have to purchase those. You can obviously use gems or gold, I believe, or like just actual money. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I I prefer. I much prefer that distribution method on Arena for getting cards than uh, than than drafting them like a hundred percent because the set's so much smaller. Like you look at the anthology sets, and it's like. You know, pretty, pretty much 25 new cards every time and you get a playset of each of those cards when you purchase the anthology whereas yeah. you look at any either of the remastered sets or the previous jumpstart set there were hundreds of cards being added and you only get what you draft or what you open with those for yeah. in, in some cases a very very similar price to the, the historic anthology as well it's like you could you could draft Kaladesh Remastered Twice, I think, for the same price as it would be a historic anthology, where you would get a playset of every card. Mhm. Yeah, 
Um, but I mean, I, like, like I said, I'm not a historic player. I'm not even an arena player. This world is slightly alien to me. Um, but like, historic's probably like, it, it, especially over the pandemic, the most popular magic format probably outside of Commando. Like, just in terms of content and, and engagement with it, it just seems like yeah, no, historic was just another thing. I think so. I think so, definitely. Yeah, it's just it's mm-hmm. very much has evolved and become its own sort of real format. I think it's taken a lot of the focus that that Pioneer sort of had on it. I think there were <laughs> a lot of issues with, with Pioneer. Um, depending on, on how you, you <laughs> fall, depending on which side of the, uh, the inverter ban you fall uh, over the past year. Uh, that Depends drove, whether you want to invest in an entirely new format when you can't play it in person. Yeah, totally. So there's there, there are a lot of factors. There are a lot of factors to, to pioneer, not being as popular as it as it could or should be. Uh, but I think as sort of popularity from that waned, we saw people turning his, to historic because you got to play you got to play sweet format. It is a very very good format. I think. Um, it it just it does feel like one of those eternal formats where like you can just pick you know, one of ten different decks and. You, you can get yourself to myth it, or you can pick a bad deck and get lucky. Like, if I can do it, you can yeah. do. Uh, but it's it's a it's a very different beast, I think, to what it was originally sort of laid out in the roadmap, where their plan was to to go back and retroactively add sets, and then we were going to get a uh, you know a pioneer cube or pioneer horizons, and they were going to put pioneer on arena. But we've seen over time that shift just kind of be like, oh well, we're not going to put pioneer on arena anytime soon and we're going to yeah. move sort of our resources into you know into historic and spot and historic as a format I think really that's where this is this yeah. has come from now I don't know whether this is one of those things with Wizards of the Coast where they see something happening because they've perpetuated it and assumed that that's sort of what people want or whether it is genuinely they think historic is a more worthwhile format to pursue and to support than, than Pioneer on arena but I do get the impression that it's like, oh, we won't do Pioneer anymore because clearly the Historic is more popular. It's like, well, you don't know how popular Pioneer would have been on this because you made Historic its own thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I would imagine that if they added Pioneer today, a lot of people would probably play it, but Historic... Yeah. Because, I, I, because Historic is so different as a format. I think potentially that might be something that might have nixed it as well because I, I think that if you added Pioneer today, why would anybody play Pioneer on Magic Online? Um, because it's a completely different format <laughs> to Historic? No, no, I mean, if they added Pioneer to Arena today, why yeah. would anybody play Pioneer on Magic Online when they can play Pioneer on on Magic's premier digital client and yeah, enter some sort of competitive play, maybe, eventually, that way? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Why do that when they could just concentrate on the format that they've got that people seem to really like and grow that and then you've got two separate revenue streams? You got people playing Pioneer anyway on Magic Online. They're not going to yeah. go anywhere. If they like the format, they're going to continue to play it there. And then you've got the audience that likes Historic and they can go Historic. Uh, I think it just makes it to me. It makes a lot of sense just to keep keep the two keep the two separate. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that 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 does make sense. And I think this is sort of the final nail in the coffin of everything will be on Arena, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I I think. Hmm, I don't, I don't know. In terms of everything, I, I, I think it's. I, don't, I think in terms of constructed formats, 
this could be the final nail in the coffin in terms of that but I think in terms of offering more diverse like limited formats stuff like cubes I think this opens the door to a lot more interesting things that, which, that they can do for cubes I think um, you know maybe we'll see something like that in the future more spot for that in the future but I, I can't imagine modern or legacy or vintage are ever ever going to be on arena ever no, I, think, sure. I think this is this this whole thing the digital cards which we'll, we'll get to um, I think the digital cards this product this whole thing is very much the you know look we've been telling you for the past couple of years that the that the digital game and the tabletop game are two completely separate divisions two completely separate things and I, I just I don't think it's been as as visible uh, as it has but I guess it's as it's become with this product I think this is the final yeah. nail in terms of, of separation of Magic the Gathering the tabletop game and Magic Arena the digital card game no I, I yeah I, I agree with that I think that's the this is certainly the just look this is a completely different game yeah and I mean I've I've said for a long time that Arena is a game like Magic it's not a simulation of a game of Magic yeah and they're very very similar but there are distinct differences where it's not playing a game of magic it's playing a game very much like magic um but yeah this is the this thing this is a completely different game it's 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 not magic the gathering it's magic the gathering arena which is its own beast its own entity yeah and i think part of the problem with that with with understanding that distinction is that they tied the two together so so tightly for so long whereas where you know where pretty much all and you know, pandemic had a lot to do with it, but you know, all pro play was just on arena, yeah. um, and arena was the, the premier way to play magic. And uh, this seems like a kind of a, a, a divergence from that that idea. That... Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I feel like the core issue is always is probably just Wizards of the Coasts, like PR and their ability to put out yeah. like straight forward message, but at the same time. I think in hindsight, now that we've seen this, I think it looks quite clear to me that for the longest time they've said arena is this, magic is this, you know, tabletop is you know arena is a digital card game, tabletop magic is tabletop magic. Even when you look at like the old like flowcharts or PowerPoint presentations or whatever you had to use to look to figure out what was going <laughs> on with competitive play, yeah, you had quite clear there was two different sides to that. There was the tabletop. And you would use the tabletop pathway to get to the MPL or whatever. And then there was the arena, the arena way. There were two completely separate entities. There was no sort of merger between the between them until you got further up the chain. It just, I think, it just highlights how disastrously poor their marketing and the PR was. Yeah. Because sure, like, I, like I say, in hindsight, I get that distinction. Like, there were clearly two separate things that happened to be interlinked, basically only in in name a lot of the time. But they tied them so heavily together. They they pushed Arena as the premier play client. This is the way that you become a professional magic player, etc., etc. Um, and so for so long, so many of us thought that it was just going to eclipse Paper Magic, and that Paper Magic was no longer going to be a thing that they particularly cared about. They'd just keep printing it as long as it was profitable. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> this kind of ties into the, these mechanically unique cards. But when cards that worked a lot better on Arena than they did in Paper. Uh, Crystalline Giant, etc. You know, um, and 
it, they just they felt like such a push towards Arena as, as this is the way you play Magic and I guess you can play Paper if you want and if you want to play Paper it's probably just Commander and now this is a very sort of stark contrast being like no no Arena's its own thing you can't think of Historic on Arena as a Magic the Gathering format it's a Magic the Gathering, uh, Magic the Gathering Arena, Arena yeah. format yeah um and that just seems like such a weird, such a weird decision, given the the messaging historically, pun intended. And uh, yeah, like you say, in hindsight, it makes sense. <laughs> but at the time, we're all like, "Jesus, the sky's falling! Paper magic is dead. They're actively trying to kill it. They want what are really to be the thing." Um, yeah, I think it, it's 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 very difficult. I think, like you said, with hindsight, you know, from from their perspective, this whole time they've been saying. You know, arena is this, Magic the Gathering is this, but all we see from the consumer side is just, oh, we're, we're, we're not, you know, we're not talking about X, we're not talking about Y, but this is what we're showing you, and what we're showing you is, is Paper Magic's a thing of the past, and now everything's going to be dice rolling in, in digital Hearthstone games. Yeah, I wonder if maybe just their budget was really tight on marketing. Because, you know, all of that prize money they definitely paid out. Um... And that they they just sort of hoped that the paper game would trundle along on its own little way, while they pumped all the money into Arena and trying to make people play that. Um, I don't know. I have a lot of conspiracy theories, and, and <laughs> I, I have a lot of probably unfair takes about what Watsy do um, and Hasbro do. But that's what it felt like for ages, and then suddenly you're like, oh no, this is a completely different game, and now it all makes sense. But they genuinely scared us for such a long time yeah. but I was like oh, why, why should I bother you know I've <sighs> d- devoted what, eight years it's not actually that long eight years of my life to this game and you know it's 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 my hobby it's my only hobby pretty much it's literally my full time job at this point and you know I do a podcast about it and my life is very much Magic the Gathering and then suddenly they're like no we don't really care about you anymore and that's entitled and that's a big problem with magic players is that they, they feel they're entitled to to everything. I was like, oh, so I'm just not an important part of your player base anymore. I'm not an important customer because I don't play arena and this isn't the way I want to play. And that was bad for a lot of people. And I'm sure a non-zero amount of people would have quit magic because they thought that arena was going to be the only way to play magic and they yeah. don't want to play paper. And like <laughs> to be told, you know. A year, year and a half, two years out from that feeling that I don't know, this is a separate, and not but not no in explicit terms in this this historic horizons uh, reader cards um, being shown, and I'm still not sure. Like maybe they are still trying to push a reader, but you know they, they did explicitly say paper magic is, is the way forward or whatever. Um, but you're at this point, I'm just like, well, yeah, you, but you made me feel genuinely like shit about this game for so long. Uh, why couldn't you have been more explicit? Was that a worry that if you were explicit about the fact that Arena was different, you were worried more, that less people would play? I just it it it, it makes me feel bad about how Wizards of the Coast are going about treating their player base. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel just I like think, a number. I mean, you are at the end of the day, like. Yeah, I know. It's the thing. Like, I, I feel you know, it, a, I definitely you're have a division a, a, of a multi-billion-dollar company. Yeah, like, of course, which, of course. I think it's it, I think there are a lot of wonderful people that work for that that company, but. Of course, At the end of, of the day, you are just, you are just a number. Like, yeah, for sure. It's it's weird to, it's difficult to explain the feelings without sounding like an entitled creepy weirdo <laughs> who has some kind of strange parasocial relationship with Gavin Verhey. But like, 
that's just how it was like magic felt different it felt special it felt like the community mattered it felt like Wizards of the Coast staff wanted to interact with their community and cared about their opinions and cared about the players and did things best for the players and then for so long it was just like no we don't care about you anymore and we're not even going to give you something to cling on to it's just like just arena it's arena it's arena and we're not going to do anything for you and just like it felt like playing lip service to a yeah, community I mean, that built the game and yeah. you couple that with just, but, but, but just actively shitting both on game stores sure yeah. but like you could, like the whole secret lair thing is like oh okay so if you want to buy paper products we have to buy them from you specifically um uh, just just actively shitting on game stores for so long yeah getting rid um, of MSRP their distribution yeah. deals with Amazon their exclusive yeah, like product for Amazon these, like yeah exactly and uh, you know doing away with FTV um which was a, a boon for game stores because they were game store exclusives that would be sold to game stores at a very cheap price and then they'd make money on them yep. uh, and then they were replaced with fucking secret lines which are their own predatory practice and we've been through it a, a number of times but it just felt like this consistent sort of we don't care about the community the reason the Magic the Gathering is popular is because of the people that play it and the stores that run it and it just felt that like you know the cards they had in the boost packs that were like you don't even need a table like, dude come on <laughs> like game, game stores are the lifeblood and the backbone of your entire business um, your entire game and the only reason that you still exist is because of people who go to, to these stores and buy booster packs and buy singles and stuff Yeah. and you're just like nah arena and now it's like no no arena's like a different game like okay good I, fe- I feel I don't know safer <laughs> um, calmer less worried but it's still shitty to have felt like that for so long about a game that I care about maybe I just shouldn't care about games this much but I think that's why <laughs> Magic Magic felt so special because it was a game that like okay I can put this much love into it I can care about it this much and you know I can contemplate getting stupid Magic having tattoos and stuff and feel like that devotion is sort of rewarded and again that's that's extremely silly yeah <laughs> and I don't think anybody should really turn the hobby into their personality why would you attack me personally like this on my podcast <laughs> um, I have other things angry that's why I am um but you know what I mean? Like, it, it felt like turning it into your personality was kind of like it was okay and it was part of it, and like they would always be there for you. And then it was just suddenly this stark sort of nah, it's going to be online now. I don't know. I'm very aware that I, that whole rant makes me come off like a sad weirdo. But no, you know, no, my no, main I, hobby is magic. My full-time job is magic, and I record a magic gathering podcast. So maybe it's my personality at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've seen far worse takes online. Like people are getting very Good. very emotional about this. Um, oh yeah, I'm not emotional about Historic Horizons. I don't give a shit about that. I give a shit about this. Is just sort of sparked some sort of um, feeling in me about how Wizards of the Coast has treated their player base that have built their game up from the ground. You know, sure. That's that's what it. And like Historic Horizons isn't a, is is sort of it's a good thing in that sense. It, it's sort of reminded us that Arena is not the be all end all. It's its own thing. Yeah. And that Paper Magic is certainly the thing they they definitely care about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think this does. I, I don't know, I think this, I, I kind of don't want to say something definitive, just because we haven't seen the rest of the, of the set yet, but mm-hmm. uh, I think this probably does put a nail in the coffin of Historic ever being played in paper, though. Which oh, I think oh, for sure. Yeah, which I think is something yeah. that people have, have talked about. Like The past, the past few weeks and months, our standard has been in the state it's in, we've seen, and Pioneer is, is pretty much dead, we have seen people and content creators and influencers in the community have, have suggested, oh, maybe one day we'll see, you know, tabletop historic tournaments, and oh, it'll be really confusing for players 
to figure out what's legal in the format and and all of this really for, stuff. But really good for game stores, though. Yeah, yeah. But oh, I, I you've got all these old cards that are now suddenly worth loads of money that you never made money on before. Yeah. But yeah, that's not going to happen. But yeah, that's it. I think the, the digital cards. I mean, even if they even if they don't see play, which at this point I don't think any of them will. Um, or you know, at least competitive play. I mean, the fact that they exist and will be legal in the format, I think that enough is, is alone to say well, we can't. We just can't run this format as a tabletop event. Yeah, go play Pioneer. Yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. this is like a really like subversive attempt to re- uh, to reanimate Pioneer. Hell yeah! <laughs> but I, uh, I let's talk about them. Let's talk about these digital only cards. So yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. This isn't new. Magic the Gathering has had digital only. Magic and the Gathering has had digital only cards for years. Um, this so is that, that. This is a bad faith argument. No, not at all. Not it at all. Absolutely. Not I at all. No, carry on. I haven't, carry I haven't on made the argument I, yet. So before I drag you, carry on. <laughs> I mean, I think it's substantially different to how they've done them in the past. But you know, the very first time we saw digital only cards was in Chandler. Um Obviously, they had effects. They had randomization effects. It just had things that you could not and cannot replicate in paper. Uh, the next time we saw them was in the Japanese exclusive Dreamcast game, Magic of the Gathering. Um, and again, that was I think it was about 12 cards, and they all had sort of randomization effects and, and just, just things which could not happen in paper. So this is kind of the, the next step, I guess the, the next iteration on those. And I think the the context in which these cards enter the game is wildly, wildly different, but... I do think it's important to remember that this isn't a new thing. Alright, sure, you are correct, which is infuriating. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's not new in the way that, like, it's the same argument as, like, you can't be annoyed about The Walking Dead because The Arabian Nights exists. Sure, that's that's different. I think that's different. Like, it's it's an argument people were making, right? Yeah. Um, But, (laughs) sure, so, so... the, the first time they did uh, random digital only cards was in a game from 25 years ago yeah, that, like, around, like six people played the game like, yeah. yeah like like six people played that game and then the, the other time was a game from 20 years ago that was uh, I believe only released in in Japan yeah. countries yeah in Japan specifically and about four people played <laughs> so, so like there's been quite a gap there's a, there's a big difference between digital only cards on this like single player game on a Dreamcast. Remember the Dreamcast? Yeah, oh, yeah. Of course I do. I've I love got one man. still. Like, <laughs> Fuck, have you? Yeah, yeah. Man, okay. Oh, mate, 12 months time, I'll come and play Legacy and play on your Dreamcast. Hell yeah. Um, I love the Dreamcast so much. It was the best console. It, it just was. Um, it was just too early. It was just too ahead of the time, unfortunately. Yeah, right. Mega Drive, Dreamcast. Just excellent consoles. Um, <laughs> there's a difference between a game on that platform... <laughs> Uh, there's a single player game that like it's its own thing so 20 years later this is lots of those cards in Magic's probably second most popular format on its premier digital client yep. that you have to pay with but you you probably have to pay for with your own money and a lot of people will pay for with their own money in order to play a competitive format that can get you some kind of professional ranking will get you to some kind of big tournament but there's yeah, a huge definitely. difference in those things and that's, that's why I think the implication here or I guess the implementation of the cards here is far more impactful than they have been in the past because yeah. potentially one of these digital only cards with a potentially you know, randomised effect might 
score you entry into whatever will replace the MPL or GPs or whatever they're going to do in terms of, of digital digital competitive play. Oh no, it's the same argument of what if I roll a nat 20 at the Pro Tour final? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's exactly the same, no! Except now, except now it's with iPads. Like. <laughs> Oh man, could you imagine people sitting face to face like across a magic table but they just have iPads instead of physical cards? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Uh, I don't know, because I'm a boomer at this point. I've played this game for eight <laughs> years and I'm already a boomer. <laughs> so. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds great for people with accessibility issues who find it difficult to like shuffle cards and stuff. Like, Yeah, for sure. That, I mean, that's why, why I, not? I the like future, the future magic. Like, just take your phone and use your phone. Absolutely. That's why, that's why I thought it was so cool that you were allowed to use electronic devices because... You know accessibility and stuff, and I want as many people as possible to play this stupid fucking game. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've never loved and hated so much something so much as I do Magic Gathering. Honestly, oh, try being a professional wrestling fan, but yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, try being a fan of any yeah, music of anything, <laughs> of anything, of any yeah. kind of art, any kind of uh, books. That's the important lesson, lesson, really. Just don't like anything. Never, like, never <laughs> love anything. Yeah. Uh, and I think animals. Animals are good. That's true. They're the one thing that haven't let me down. So, so far... Gash I haven't so, so far we've seen 11 cards from the set, the Jumpstart Historic Horizons set. There's going to be 782 new cards. 31 of them mm. are going to be these digital-only cards. We've seen 11. Uh, some of them exist already, some of them are brand new. So ones that exist already uh, are Ranger, Captain of Eos. Uh-huh. Uh, and there are then three more which aren't cards. So they are copies of cards which are created using the Conjure mechanic, which is a new digital-only mechanic here, uh, which works essentially just works the same as, as Garth from Modern Horizons. Like, you make a copy of, of a card... So the three cards we've seen that are Conjure cards are Tropical Island, Stormfront Pegasus, and Ponder. So we, there was talk about making land tokens. So instead of Farseek going through your deck and finding a land, it would find it would create a token. Right? Yeah. Instead of Rampant Growth finding a basic land, it creates a basic land token. Yeah. And Arena is the perfect platform on which to do that. Yeah, 100%. It's excellent. Um, and I don't, we don't know what these cards are. We don't know whether Tropical Island is the only land you can make, which would be odd. <laughs> whether all the draw lines are there or whatever um, yeah it's a, it's a new mechanic which is cool this does yeah. open I will say before we like get into the meat of the cards like this does create a lot of cool new design space which I'm into yeah definitely definitely um, that's it like from yeah. the mechanics that we've got like already like there's a reasonable amount that we've got so far and I think the wording is very interesting as well so you've got stuff like Davriel's Withering which is um black for an instant target creature perpetually gets minus one minus two yep so that that's something that they could do that you could do in paper magic but that's going to be so difficult to track and, and memorize yeah. and because yeah. you're not putting a counter on anything you're just saying oh this I guess gets minus one minus two perpetually yeah i mean it's not, it's not put a plus, put it's not put a minus one minus two counter on something it's just the stats of this card not get minus one minus two yeah, which is which is cool. Like, I'm yeah. not sure it's going to be playable. Um, it's probably playable because it's a uh, one mana instant that gives something minus two toughness. Um, I don't think it's playable. Sure, sure. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, uh, yeah. it it has applications like you know cards like Nethroi that are like return X number of creatures with power X whatever, right? Yeah. And this means you can tell you don't um, play historic. I don't. <laughs> I don't know the format, but like the things like that, like this has 
implications for cards that already exist that Paper Magic could never. Yeah, have, totally, totally. Which is which is cool. Though this does seem like a card that they'd probably put in like Alpha or something. So maybe we could make something the power and toughness constantly change. That seems like the kind of thing that'd be doable in a paper game of Magic, right? Um, but yeah, like it's, it's a new thing they can do, and that's fine. You just you just add some more text to cards, and it means they can't like be reanimated and stuff if they're a yeah. two toughness creature and what have you. And then you've got stuff like Lumbering Light Shield, so it's one white for a 1-4, it's an illusion. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals a non-land card at random from their hand. It perpetually gains this spell cost one more to cast. It's just a, a smoother implementation of uh, Elite Spell something? What's PVDDR's card? Spell Binder, is it? That's the one. Yeah. It's just a cleaner implementation of that effect, right, basically? Well, I think in in terms of a digital product, then yes, definitely. But I think this would yeah. be something that would be again difficult to difficult to, to continually track in in paper. Yeah, in absolutely. digital, you can t- you can change the two to a three. In in paper, yeah. yeah, you both just have to remember that at all times and pray for your judges. <laughs> Always pray for your judges. Yeah, God bless those people. But it's it's why. Elite Spellbinder exiles the card from the hand and then it can only play from exile and cast you more from exile is because you have to trap that specific card whereas if you're drawing extra copies of that card you don't know which one it it doesn't matter this is a a similar implementation of that effect but it's a lot cleaner on this and is easier to do on Arena yeah. which worry. I like and then we've got Playcrafters Familiar one in the black for a 1-1 with Death Touch when it enters the battlefield choose a creature card in your hand it perpetually gains Death Touch yeah, it's just that's that's five or four. It's cool. Yeah, it just now has death touch in, in any zone that it's in, whether it's bounced to your hand, whether it's in your graveyard, what have you. Not until end of turn, you don't have to put cows on it because those cows go away when it moves zones. It's 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 just a cleaner implementation of things they've tried to do in, and it it, it does seem like similar to things they've tried to do in, in paper cards that we thought, oh god, they're designing cards for arena and just trying to hodgepodge their way into making them work in paper. Yeah, and now yeah. they can just specifically design cards that do this in arena. It's all stuff that already exists in other digital half in other digital card games like as you do with all Hearthstones. <laughs> yeah, other digital Hearthstones like Hearthstone specifically. Like you have effects yeah. which make a copy of a card in your opponent's hand cost more. You have mm-hmm. a creature and it's a battlefield. You can give you know something in your hand like charge or something like yeah. These these effects already exist in other digital card games. Um, yeah. I, I don't see any issue with these. I think, like I said, I don't want to say anything definitive until we see the full list of 782 legal cards. Um, but I, I think from the ones we've seen so far, none of these cards are even going to be playable. No, I mean the thing is as well with like you could do stuff that's like when the center's battlefield reveal a creature card in your hand it gets haste, like stuff like that, which feels like the kind of thing a magic card should do and would be a cool, yeah. interesting magic card, but you physically can't do it, and this is just an outlet for that. Yeah. Um, and I like that. I like I like those designs. Um, I mean, uh, if you want to talk about not being playable, we can talk about the other mechanic. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Seek. So, <laughs> oh, that is not the other mechanic I was thinking of, but sure. We can talk about Seek? Yeah, yeah, we can talk about Seek. Seek. So we have cards like Mana Guardian. When Mana Guardian uh, dies, each player seeks... I was about to say search automatically... Each player seeks a non-land card with mana value two or less. So you, your deck, on arena, it will just take a random uh, t- two-drop card 
from your deck and put it in your hand and you don't shuffle your library. It's just a random two or less mana card. Yeah. Right? I got that right. Cool. Yeah, so it's a it's a digital twist on a shooter effect, so mm-hmm. you can seek a card with specific criteria randomly pulling one for your library that meets the criteria without shuffling afterwards. Yeah, and it, this this again sort of mirrors the conversation we were having about the cards from Revenge of the Forgotten Realms that roll D twenties is that because you don't know the exact outcome, there are some that like the baseline is fine, so you'd probably play them. But because you don't know the, the, what the card's going to do, it makes it less appealing for constructed play. Yeah. Because um, it's random, so you don't know what card you're going to get. I mean, this kind of effect might be okay if it was like a, a two mana card that like ETBs seek a two mana value spell. Yeah, I, that, I think. Be pretty good. Yeah, this, this mechanic's fine. I think there. It, Essentially, this is just recruit from Hearthstone. Like, yeah. it just does a does the same thing. So there are ways. Yeah. I assume there'll be ways in which you can specifically build around this mechanic to get the most value out of it. So yeah. you'll be able to change chain things where, you know, mana guardian will die, and then there'll only be one creature in your deck with mana value two or less. So you'll go and get, you know, mana guardian will die, and then oh, you'll get a Thalia, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And then that messes, messes up whatever your opponent's doing. So th- there'll be ways to sort of plan things, and they'll probably be really sort of interesting, you know, like birthing pod style effects, birthing pod style decks coming out of this. Like, I'm sure that'll be a thing at some point once we see the rest of the cards, but yeah. I think it's cool. It's just, yeah, something that would be very, very difficult to implement in Paper Magic cleanly. Well, like, probably just impossible yeah. to implement cleanly. Well, in this version where you, your library doesn't shuffle. <laughs> yeah. It just yeah, definitely. takes it out of your library. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's ra- random, but maybe it's powerful. Uh, but you have to build a deck around it. But it's an interesting thing. It's just a thing that, like, like you say, other uh, other card games, mainly Hearthstone, have done. Yeah. That it doesn't seem out of place in Magic the Gathering. No, definitely um, not. And I'm okay with it. I think. Yeah, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Yeah. I think the the last sort of mechanic really is that we've got a new planeswalker so it's davriel soul broker two black black for four loyalty davriel as a plus one with until your next turn whenever an opponent attacks you and or planeswalkers you control they discard a card if they can't they sacrifice an attacking creature that one seems pretty good uh, they have a minus three target creature perpetually gets minus three minus three and then they have the most interesting one is the minus two accept one of davriel's offers then accept one of davriel's conditions is I have so many feelings just about this card in general. Yeah. Um, a non-zero amount of people are going to refer to this card as Daddy, based on the art. Oh, and that's, that's going to upset me. And <laughs> that is the only response to, be, to me saying <laughs> that. Um, and <laughs> based on that art and the fact that someone's going to call it Daddy, it has the, the minus two ability. It has real, like, BDSM vibes, right? Well, now it does, yeah. <laughs> We're no longer. We haven't been a family-friendly podcast in years, Drake. Get over it. <laughs> uh, the, it's uh, yeah. It's creepy. He's going to offer you something, but there's a condition. So you get a good thing, but you get punished. And he's wearing like a suit thing, and he's like a suave, creepy, Fallout-looking motherfucker <laughs> with sure, a sure. horrible little pencilly mustache and slick-backed hair. Because apparently, this is what Davriel looks like when he doesn't have the mask on. Yeah, and I prefer him with the mask. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, 
Okay. Interesting. Sorry, I had to get that out of me. <laughs> so totally sorry. Fine. So we have the the ability itself. So you accept one of Davriel's offers. So that is, you it picks one of three randomly selected positive effects from a possible list of eight. And then it does the same for a negative effect as well. So you get one of eight. Uh, so you get one of three randomly selected positive effects from a possible list of eight. And then you get one of three randomly selective negative effects from a list of eight. Yeah, so it could be like, draw three cards, but you lose six life. Etc. Yeah, but there's because there's so many, so many different variables and pathways to it, it's just not something that could be implemented in paper. I mean, you could probably yeah. roll like 18 dice or something and then <laughs> and figure it out that way, but yeah. Well, there's someone there's someone that has done an already done a paper copy of this where it comes with its own little like reminder card. Oh, nice. And you, you just roll a d8 for each option. Yeah. Um, but obviously, if you roll a two twice, you'd have to roll again, which would be laborious and annoying. But you yeah. can do this in paper, technically. It would just take a long time. But if you really want to play Davriel in your commander deck for some reason, you can, I guess, because someone's printed a proxy of it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... I mean, this is a kind of random effect that's like slightly too random to, to I think, be competitively viable but I could be wrong yeah I think it, I think the CMC of the card is just too well not even that the mana value of the card is is too it's... high for it to be playable I think really for the format sure um, like Historic's a relatively fast format like, Historic's a strange format because you've got you've got very fast decks that win you can just play Modern Phoenix essentially you can just play Modern Phoenix you can win on turn 4 you've got combo decks that can win on turn 4, you've got collected company decks, most decks want to finish off turn 4, turn 5, turn 6 and then you have sort of one or two like just really good control decks that mm-hmm. can withstand and make the game go really really long. I don't think Davriel is good in those type of decks and it just seems far too slow for any anything with a, a sort of quicker gameplay so I don't know I don't yeah. know, I don't think Davriel fits in anywhere like maybe, maybe Mono Black Devotion could make a comeback of sorts, and Davriel could fit in there. But I don't think Davriel's good enough. I think that's, I think that's fine. I think that's fine. I think that's yeah. that's potentially something that makes me feel less passionate about this whole thing as well. The cards that we've seen, I don't think any of them are really good enough to see play. Uh, yeah. The best cards are in Tropical Island and Ponder, and they aren't actual cards. <laughs> You've got to jump through a whole load of hoops before you get access to a copy of those, so there we go. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're fun, interesting designs, and Arena is his own thing now, and I am so tired of the anger mill that Magic Twitter has that I'm not going to engage with it anymore. And I have an excuse not to, because I could just say, I don't play Historic, and move on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good way to look at it, definitely. I, t- I think my my sort of definitive take on most of this is like it's fine like there are one or two things that i think that's oh, pretty cool you know stuff like the like the like the seek mechanic like i think that's really cool the fact that you can now make a tropical island on arena that's cool but i don't care about most of it i don't think most of it's good enough uh, i think that the thing that I, I do really dislike throughout the whole thing is just the distribution method for these cards, like the fact that they're only available in Jumpstart Historic Horizons, there are 782 cards in the set. The only way you can get it is to open two packs of Jumpstart at a time. 
at whatever price that's going to be, I think is pretty, pretty horrendous. Uh, you know, we thought maybe Modern Horizons 2 was the most expensive set of all time. I think uh, Jumpstart Horizons, I can't even say it, Jumpstart Historic Horizons might have, uh, might be able to one-up that one. I mean, Modern Horizons 2 prices have been crumbling for quite some time now. Yeah, in terms of like purchase and packs and, and boxes and stuff, but oh sure, yeah, I think I think this this is going to exceed far exceed that I think. Yeah, which, I mean that's which one sucks. Of the it really yeah. sucks. I that's would much prefer. I would much prefer it was just an anthology of exclusive di- like digital exclusive cards that was yeah would just work like the anthology. Yeah, because you still get people's money because we would still want to buy them. Yeah. And then, then you could still sell the Jumpstart packs because you pretend that people actually care about playing Jumpstart and Arena. And then if they got a duplicate of a card they bought from that anthology, then you just give them 20 gems or whatever. Yeah. They, uh, that could have been the model, but that doesn't maximise the amount of money you can get. So. Yeah. <laughs> Arena Secret Lair. Could have called it that and everything. Ugh. See, I guess they wouldn't. They would call it, like, Secret Lair but written in binary, and then, like, colon, only the digital cards that you can cast with your true belief in the spirit of the digital machine of the card games, or whatever they decide to stick on the side of secret layer boxes these days. What an excellent way to finish the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's, yeah. It's it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. I think there's a lot to, to talk about and discuss, but... I don't have to care about it. Haha. <laughs> yeah, this this won't kill magic. As somebody who plays no. historic as somebody who plays historic like every single day, pretty much, like I don't think this is massively impactful. I think this is cool I think this is cooler than it is scary and you know, oh if oh, if if you if you are worried that this is gonna affect you know, Magic the Gathering and how you engage with the game, like just remember these are digital only. Absolutely nothing changes about tabletop. You can still play tabletop same way you could before Arena even existed. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Cool. So on that note, come let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter. We are at hfdcast, facebook.com slash hfdcast. Or if you really enjoyed anything in this episode, we'd like to give back in a monetary value, you can hit us up at Patreon. We are patreon.com slash devastation, where tiers start from as little as $1 per month. So it'll be 20 25 cents per episode. This podcast is brought to you by manleak.com. If you use the code HOFD5 at checkout, you get 5% of your entire order. Nice. If you want to find me on my own personal social media, on Twitter, I am at PeachGardenOaf. Facebook, I'm Joe Loudon. I'm in pretty much any of the magic groups, avoiding historic discourse currently. I also stream on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash PeachGardenOaf. Every Friday night we do something magic related, and then also every Wednesday night, if you're into Japanese wrestling, come check it out. Started a new um, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling um, show on there, which is it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. We had some people tune in for episode one last week. It's a fun time. Come check it out. You can find me on Twitter at snail69. Nice. Thanks. If you want to look at all the miniatures I've been painting, it's been I, fun. I do. I do. I've I've enjoyed that quite a lot. Thank you. You make some fantastic progress. Thank you very much. I'm just I'm just having fun. It turns out painting miniatures is really fun when you don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. And you're just like, I'm just going to do this today. And everyone should find a thing. 
everyone should find a thing where they, they can just do it for a, a amount of time every day that they just enjoy. Yeah. Including things that are unsavoury for broadcast. <laughs> and what a way to end the podcast. <laughs> Once again, we're approaching the second hour. The God Pharaoh has returned. So see you again next week on Hour of Devastation.